Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Digest and Invest uh, by eToro special episode today. Um, today, I'm joined by Nick White. Nick is a professional rugby union player, making over 200 senior appearances as a scrum half, and is currently playing for the Brumbies here in Australia in the Super Rugby League. Nick is also a highly successful international player, making over 47 appearances in the Wallabies Gold after making his debut back in 2013. Um, so, Nick, great to have you with us. How are you today? How have you been? I'm good, thanks. The sun's shining down here in Canberra, which is uh, what you always take that day not, uh, as a bit of a blessing. And uh, no, pretty good. Uh, we're, we're halfway through the super season, so I got a buy this week and um, we're, we're travelling all right. We're pretty happy with where, where things are at. Yeah, so as we say, Super Rugby's back. Um, you reached the, the final last year against the Reds, just missed out. It was, a, it was a great game. Do you think you guys can go all the way this year? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the last couple of years, you know, we, we played the Reds in, in 2020 down in Canberra, um, got it over them, and then then we played them in Brisbane last year, and, and they got it over us. And, uh, yeah, look, it's, um, this season's back to Super Rugby as we know it with the with the Kiwi teams. So, um, you know, we've, we've played all the Aussie teams. Uh, we're seven from eight. Um, but, we, like I said, we've got the bye, and then we head into the Kiwis. So, uh, look, with... Without too much disrespect to the, the Australian teams, I feel like it's the competition starts now. Um, you know, the Kiwi teams are regarded as, as the best in the world and it's been a long time since. Um, and Aussie teams um, lifted the trophy, the Super Rugby trophy with uh, the Kiwi teams involved. So, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. We feel like we're in a good place. Um, good bill of health, which is always half the battle going through the season, making sure you're injury-free. Um, you know, I've only got two or three this year. I think last year we got to the Kiwi teams and... Yeah, we we collided to see how we go this year. Um, feel like we've been slowly building over the last couple of years with a with a young squad. So um, exciting times ahead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so Nick, we you've obviously, as I said, as I mentioned at the start there in your introduction, been a very successful rugby player uh, for many years. So I want to find out a little bit more about your career, um, how you sort of got into rugby, and how you've really embedded yourself as as arguably one of the top Australian rugby players that we have in this generation. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, how to start? I started just playing uh, football. So for Australian soccer, um, you know, when I was much younger and, and all my mates were, were playing rugby. So I uh, came home from school. I think I was about 12. said, uh, look, I want to wanna play rugby to the old man. And um, yeah, the the nearest, um, nearest rugby team was about a half an hour drive from us. So I lived in a country town, Scone, you know, about five or 6,000 people. And yeah, um, you know, we had to, to go two towns away to, to find a team that I could play in. And um, look, I absolutely loved it. I uh, loved playing with my mates. And to be honest, not, not a whole lot's changed in that regard. Like I still just love the camaraderie. Um, you know, I love that I get to go to work every day and I've got, you know, 45 you know, close mates, uh, which is pretty special in, in a workforce. And yeah, that's how it started. And I, I wasn't a, the type of kid that, that come through the school ranks and, and was like a, a you know, a schoolboy protege or anything like that. I um, only made one or two rep teams and, and um, growing up certainly didn't um, make any Australian schoolboys or anything like that. And, um, I was very lucky that 
the Brumbies were heading up to a school that I was going to um, to watch Will Skelton play against us. And they happened to see this little kid just chomping at his uh, chomping at his ankles. And um, they thought, oh, they, they invited me down to Cambridge to, to see if I want to come down and join the, the academy. I think at the time I was ninth or 10th string halfback at the Brumbies. And, um, you know, as the saying goes, you, you stick around a barber long enough, you'll get a haircut. So, I, um, yeah, I guess one thing I always had um, – on board was I was pretty persistent and uh, and resilient and I just stuck at it, stuck at it, stuck at it. And, um, you know, eventually got, got my chance in, in 2011 and, um, you know, I took it with both hands. So haven't looked back and it's taken me all around the world, which is another thing I absolutely love about rugby is it's, it's taken me to the south of France, the south of England and, and now back to Canberra. So not too bad for a boy who come from a, a small town middle of New South Wales. So you're pretty gritty. I think that we, that's what we get from that. Are you sort of maybe a player that you, people hate playing against you? I, I, I might get that sort of feeling sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think definitely. Uh, like I'd, I'm not the player in the squad that's the most talented by any means, but I feel like I'm, I'm where I am today through hard work. And I think that is what, what people see on the field is I just – I go and I go and I go and, uh, you know, I won't give up. So um, in terms of, yeah, playing against me, I, I understand it. And, and for supporters that support, support the other teams would find me quite annoying. But, um, you know, it's just, just the way I am kind of um, and, and on and off the field. You know, I just, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just give it a red hot crack and, and see how I go. And and uh, it's gotten me to hit to now. So, you know, it's um, something I'm a little bit proud of, you know, that, yeah, you know, I was never the most talented, but you know, I just, I just stuck at it. Yeah, well, uh, even if the opponents don't like you, I'm sure that the uh, every, every, your own team will love you. So that's that's not a problem. Um, you mentioned a little bit there about sort of you know um, your career taking you across the world, and um, you obviously played in in England yourself for, for the Chiefs, and we've got the English boys coming over this year for for a tour. That's going to obviously be a great test. Um, what was it like sort of playing uh, over in in the UK? Um, and of course, you've got to be looking forward to the English boys coming over. Yeah, I loved my time over in the UK. Um, you know, rugby's, uh, I'd, I'd say, a, a bit more popular over there. Um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing in front of the, you know, the packed stadiums week in, week out. Um, you know, down in Exeter, the stadium would be packed out six weeks in advance. Um, you know, hardest ticket to, to, to get in town. And, you know, the, the handful of times I got to play it, Twickenham in, in finals in front of 80,000 that's pretty special so you know it was just a, a different different um, vibe I guess over there to, to to back here in Australia and I, I absolutely loved it I um I think I, I learned a lot being away from home um about myself and also learned a lot about rugby and, and the way it's played over there the way it's played in France and the way it's played in the UK and you know it's it's, it's a bit different to, to how super rugby is so I'm I'm glad I got to bring those experiences back. I got the chance to, to bring it back to Australia because I feel like I'm a, I'm a lot lot better player, a lot more rounded player than, than what I was when I left. Yeah, perfect. Um, so this is an investing podcast. So I'm going to bring in a sort of a few comparisons here um, as we dive a bit deeper. So we often say to new investors that they should tend to look long-term with their investments. So we're not looking sort of at the shorter term. Um, are there players that, that you've played with, uh, again, across your career who maybe at first sight, 
you, know, you didn't think there were going to be much, uh, there weren't going to be winners. But then once they sort of really, you know, bedded in um, longer term, they went on to become, you know, stars and players that you sort of maybe didn't think at first they would be, you know, as good as they were. Yeah, there's been plenty. You know, I think um, when you're young and you first come in, you'll have the, the handful of guys that are super talented. But it's the guys that um, you know, are willing to, to work hard week in, week out that will eventually um, continue to evolve and, and get better and better. And they're the ones who have the long, the long uh, I guess, careers. Um, but one that really stands out is probably Scott Fardy. You know, he's a guy that um, played club footy you know, for four or five years when he first left school, um, you know, went over to Perth to, to find a gig, um, didn't get one, went to Japan to like Division Two, then came back to the Brumbies in 2012 in one of my first years and playing and, and Fards went on to become a Wallaby really quickly and before he knew it, went over to Leinster, you know, won the European um, Championship a couple of times, was nominated as European Player of the Year. Um, you know, he was... You know, argue, arguably one of the best players in the Wallabies 2015 kind of World Cup um, kind of tilt at it. And, yeah, he's a player that certainly at, at first first look and and he, even throughout his career, you'd look at him and you wouldn't think much of his, you know, he's not like this uh, Sonny Bill looking type. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's got shoulders like a brown snake and a bit of a belly on him. And, you know, he's just, just a huge engine and a really smart footy player and, um, you know, constantly blood all over his face from from putting his head in dark places and um you know he's the type of guy that you know if you were you know ever ever going into the trenches with you want him by his side so um yeah he, he's a player that certainly at the start was no one gave really a, a crack to and he i think he was 26 or 27 when he got his first first crack at it so um but you know at 35 he was well established and uh and certainly well paid and uh, i think he's now coaching in japan very good, yeah. Well, he's definitely someone you want backing you up, you know, maybe against the Kiwis or the English boys, someone behind you. That's what you need. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, again, a <laughs> bit more into um, maybe investing a little bit now. Um, obviously, we've had a few conversations about markets um, over the last sort of couple of years. And, um, you know, one, have you always sort of had an interest in investing? And I guess, has that been sort of... Um, integral from you know a rugby point of view you know as, as you were sort of growing up um i guess you know in the in the uk from my perspective when we look at something like the premier league we have things like pfa and player supporters so has that been something that's been promoted to players over time and then is it also a conversation as players that you have in uh, in dressing rooms right do, do you have conversations about investing and, and do you talk about that um you know when on your time off and things like that yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, with rugby, like it's, it's professional and it's, and it's, uh, it's fairly well paid, but it's certainly not a career that you can just, you know, go in, that you can save some money and, and buy 35 or if you're lucky, 35 you know, guys, you know, retire at 30 or whenever. Um, you're certainly going to have to use this period of, of when you're playing and being paid well to set yourself up, um, to get ahead of the game. Um, you know, <laughs> There were a handful of guys when I first started playing that thought that when they retired in their thirties, that was it. They just never had to work again. I was like, oh, you know, I think it's a rude, rude shot coming for you, my friend. But um, yeah, we were kind of told like early on that you got to make smart decisions as soon as you started getting paid, you know, quite well because your career is only 10, 12 years and, and make the most of it. And um, 
you know, I think early on I probably didn't take that advice on as well as what I would like to. Um, you know, certainly um, diversifying in, in property and then also getting into um, you know shares and in the stock and, and talking to you guys. It's something that I told you guys that I, I feel like I was a few years behind and, and wish I had a, got into it sooner. And, yeah, it's it's certainly stuff that we, we talk about in the dressing sheds quite a bit. You know, guys have got some more stories where things don't go so well and plenty of guys will tell you and they're happy to tell you about the stuff they're doing well. They always are. You know, hear many of the bad stories. But, um, yeah, it's something that I, I feel like still, if I could pass on to the younger guys to, to be smarter around it earlier on in their careers because it will set them up towards the back end. You know, I, um, I and a lot of guys around my age and talking to them probably um, just, a, just a few years too late to... Um, to starting to think about these sort of things. Yeah. And like you say, if you can pass that on for maybe what you didn't get uh, in, in your younger years and, and can help that sort of newer generation, um, like you say, maybe learn from some of those stories that you've heard in the dressing rooms that didn't go so well. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Be pretty useful. Um, so then one of our sort of eToro USPs, one of our unique selling points is, is that we offer our sort of copy trader system, um, which obviously allows you to automatically make uh, the same trades as other top investors. So would you, I guess this would be the first question, ever have trusted one of the players that you've played with to copy their investments? And if you would have, who would it be? Oh, look, I think, um, firstly, I think that's that's easily the, the was the biggest talking point when first, um, you know, starting our relationship with eToro, all the boys talking about this copy trade. I think that, that was the thing that excited us most because as rugby players don't know a whole lot about it, but if you can follow someone that does know what they're doing, I think you feel a whole lot more comfortable. Um, if there was one player I'd feel pretty comfortable, it was probably Matt Tamua. He's um, he's pretty smart, pretty um, across kind of, I guess, these sort of areas. Um, there's a few other boys that are pretty pretty sharp, but, yeah, if I was to trust anyone, it'd be Matty tomorrow. I think he's doing all right um, out of it. So, yeah, it's pretty nerve-wracking, though, um, you know, with, with your own money, who you trust it with. So the, the copy trading stuff's pretty good. You know, if, if someone you can see is doing well, um, then you can just follow their trades. That's, that's something that I certainly have looked into. A lot of the boys, when we had our, obviously our recent cap, um, our recent camp, a lot of the boys just turned straight to hoops. I think it was just that that sort of captain side of it, just that leadership. They were like, yeah, hoops, you know, Michael Hooper, definitely. Um, I think they just looked at him for that leadership. And then when we spoke to hoops, he was like, yeah. I don't know why they'd copy me. <laughs> he was. <laughs> no. But, um, maybe because I know hoops a bit better than those boys. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, that might be why. Um, so obviously we'll be talking about the, the, the copy traders there and, and we, we, off, we call them here popular investors at eToro um, and we consider these our sort of elite investors. You know, they're dedicated, they're consistent um, with their investments and they do some of the most in-depth research. Um, and I guess that then translates into um, being an athlete as well. Um, you know, you've got to be dedicated, you've got to be consistent with your training, um, you know, and you've really got to give your all. So what does it take to be an elite athlete and to you know, not just get to super rugby or to play in the premiership in the UK, but to go on and be an international athlete and, and play for you know, one of the most famous rugby teams in the world, which is the Wallabies? Yeah, it's pretty, um, oh, it is pretty hardcore. Oh, God. You know, I, I missed, you know, I, I missed all eighteenths and twenty firsts, and you know, a whole heap of didn't go to schoolies, which for us, 
you know, you leave school up on the Gold Coast. You know, I didn't go to any of those sorts of things. Yeah, you know, I missed a lot of big weekends that, you know, a lot of the all my mates were doing when they first left school and, and in those early years straight out of school. So it's, there's a lot of sacrifice there that, you know, if, if it's what you truly want, you don't see it so much as a sacrifice. You see it as what's necessary. Um, so from that, that point of view, I never found that that side of things hard at all because it was what I wanted. I wasn't being forced to do it. Um, and then I, I guess, yeah, there's there's plenty of the things that you, you figure out along the way. You know, when I first started um, training, you know, I'd, I'd grab a, you know, on the way home, grab a Kit Kat and things like that on the way home. And you quickly realize that you, know, you just can't be, can't be fueling your body that way. Um, so you, you learn pretty quickly about your diet and that has to be pretty strict. And, um, you know, you, you quickly learn also that you start to see your performances go up and down as a young fella and, and you start to you know you start to find out from people well, well how do I get that consistent? You start to get your routine consistent, um, yeah, you know, and this will help that. So you have to be really pretty strict on your your routine throughout the week, what you're doing in order to to make sure that um, even when you're you're off your game, it's still not too bad, and then when you're on, it's good. So that that gets that level of consistency, and you know it takes a lot of commitment. You know, there's it's easy to say and, and pretty hard to do these things. You know, and when you go into a buffet <laughs> and you got to eat well and, um, you know, you, you do have a heap of distractions outside of life and, and you have to say no to a lot of things. It's it's easy to say and pretty hard to do. And, and I've seen plenty throughout my career that are certainly more talented than I am um, fall to the wayside because they didn't have that level of commitment. So, um, yeah, when it, when you're talking about getting that back towards copy trading, like, yeah, like that's the sort of commitment that, that I give to rugby. And if I can copy someone that has that sort of commitment and knowledge in investing, well, then it makes sense to copy them, doesn't it? Because um, I'm doing it in rugby. And if they come across to the rugby world, you know, um, come into training, yeah, I'd, I'd throw them under the wing. So um, I'd know a fair bit more than them and, and vice versa. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to jump in and, and, and know everything because rugby is my world, not investing. Yeah, absolutely. And I must say, you know, you talk about the – you know, the dedication and the giving up of things. Um, you know, we, when we obviously were at the camp the other day, there was lots of free alcohol flying around and, you know, food and things like that. And just the commitment to, to not drink alcohol and just to, to go back to your rooms and obviously you have training the next day. Uh, you know, you've got to admire that um, for sure. You know, no one's, you know, interested in that side of things. And even with all the free chocolate on offer from Cadbury's as well, you boys were pretty resilient <laughs> to that as well. Although I did see a few of the boys take a few home, but there we go. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, we're going to we'll wrap things up and, and we'll, we'll fire out some sort of uh, teammate questions to give our listeners into, um, into some of the boys that you play with to, um, to, to let them know what it's a bit like. Um, who is the most intelligent player um, in the Wallaby squad? And I'm going to we'll have two answers to this question. Most intelligent from, you know, just knows everything, you know, great general knowledge, but then most intelligent in terms of playing on the pitch, right? Because, you know, you, mm. you can have a workhorse, but you can also have somebody who's got a great rugby brain. Same that translates in football, right? You just see players, you just know, are just geniuses on the pitch. So, yeah, m most intelligent in terms of just general knowledge, a guy that just knows everything, but then also who's the smartest player in the Wallaby squad on the pitch? Yeah, well, it's hard, obviously. Um, with the rugby side of things, hard to go past the halves. Um <laughs> The nines and tens uh, off the field. I think uh, I think hoops hoops is pretty pretty intelligent. Very like um, 
So obviously he's pretty book smart, but he's also pretty street smart as well. Um, he's pretty savvy, very socially smart as well. Um, just, yeah, very well-rounded, um, real smart guy. On the field, like, it's hard to go past Quaid. He's a guy that just understands rugby really well. Um, so, yeah, usually it's your nine and tens. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the better ones I've come across. He's, he's the type of guy I'll sit down and have a chat with and, and come away with learning something from. What was it like having him back last year? Must have been fantastic having him back in this world. Yeah. Yeah, unreal, especially because he's had a couple of years away. Um, I think to get back and reflect and then come back in. And I think when you step away from it, you see things a little bit differently again as well. Like you, Sometimes you get caught in this rut of seeing things one way and, you know, the rugby's part of me in different ways. So, um, you know, he's gone over to Japan. He's um, he stepped back from the Wallaby environment. I think looked from the outside in and gone, I think I can, I can, you know, like fix this or, you know, like offer help this way. And, you know, he's awesome for the younger guys. Like we've got such a young squad. So to have him coming in and those guys hang off every word and, and to know that or every word is, is pretty accurate, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have him back, that, that experience, but also unbelievable player. <laughs> Um, so community is a big part of, um, of what Itoro is. Um, you know, we've obviously have that social side, but how, in, how important is, is community and togetherness in, in the dressing room? And which player do, would you say has the biggest impact in the dressing room? Um, oh, huge. Like, um, you know, I think rugby gets to a point, especially at Test Footy, where everyone has systems and structures and everyone's got talented people and everybody works hard. So it comes down to this like really little element of how hard you're willing to work for the good. And when you create kind of like this, this bond and this brotherhood, which takes a lot of time to create that culture um, and the right people. Um, you know, a lot of games end up being won and lost, especially at the top level, just on that, those little couple of percent there. Um, so they're so important. And, and yeah, that, that's kind of how's it manufactured like in in the dressing rooms it's, it's very important so um who's the most important in there oh, who has the biggest impact oh, look it's funny guys like um marika marika corambetti yeah he has a huge impact in there like just his demeanor the way he goes about things how hard he works on the field um you know how much he's willing to empty the tank on the training field and yeah uh there's plenty of guys, to be honest, mate. Like plenty of guys that contribute so much to, to how um, how much you build it up, and um, you know it's something that you have to continually work at your your culture. So um, I think we're doing a pretty good job at the moment. And yeah, if I don't, you know, it's, it's very hard to pinpoint one at the moment. But yeah, Marika has a huge impact on the on the squad, and especially when it comes to on the field. What about maybe outside of that? So when we talk about outside the dressing rooms, maybe on the bus on the way home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Terms of social, he's the guy that's piping up. Who's the, who's the loud one? Uh, maybe might be one of the younger guys. Maybe. Yeah, probably Tenyella Tupo. Oh yeah, so yeah. Like he's he's loud. Like if yeah, when when he's on and when he's up, his energy, it's infectious. And it's like honestly, you can't walk around a hotel like with your guard down at all. He'll jump out. He'll scare you. He's always up to pranks. Um, his energy in the gym. He's always dancing. Always got music. Like that bloke is, is constantly on, and uh, like it, it's good to be around. I'll tell you. Yeah, he's and, uh, good to have a friend like that. Everyone laugh. Yeah, you can see that at the camp. Yeah, if you're around him, you're laughing. Yeah. 
Exactly, yeah. So like, a guy like him, he, he's pretty infectious. And there's a few guys like him, but um, I think he's probably the biggest character yeah. um, socially off the field. Yeah, and what a beast he's been on the pitch as well over the last year. Or so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a good friend to have for a chirpy little halfback yeah. like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which player would you say um, maybe has the biggest talent away from rugby? You know, somebody who could have made it outside of rugby but we're so passionate about it you know is there somebody that's got a real <clears> talent that, again you know when we talk about you know after your careers is there someone that you, you yeah can pinpoint that's going to go on and do something and do be really successful away from rugby oh yeah it's a tough one especially because all the boys are so young yeah. i don't know <laughs> i was kind of look nick frost is a good dj oh yeah yeah, he might he might do all right. I keep telling him, mate, you got to get out to Dubai with uh, with James Haskell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, look, Matt, Matty Tamua, he's he's got a, um, a fair few cafes. I can see him doing all right outside of that. Um, trying to think, a few of other few of the other boys, what they're yeah, up Hoops to. Hoops is in the wine industry these days, isn't he? Yeah, Hoops has got a bit of wine. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, he'll certainly set himself up all right. Um, What's Quaid? Quaid's got clothes. That okay. could go right. He's yeah, a pretty yeah. fashionable guy. Yeah. Always so, the tough industry to get into. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Probably, probably two more. Cafe seems to be pretty safe and he's got six of them. So I think you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. we only, everyone's going to always want coffee. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so again, we talked about community earlier and I think with, um, with, with rugby and just most sports these days, there's a lot of a community focus. Um, you know, youth sports, um, you know, and just, you know, basically just everything around rugby, the fans, the, the youth, etc. Which player, you know, really dedicates themselves to that community, does a lot for, for fans, does a lot with with the youth teams? Who's the most dedicated in, in that sense? Well, there's a, there's a couple that spring to mind. <clears throat> like, um, you know, Tenier Tupo does a lot for the, the time of community. Um, Sam Falaufinger. And, you know, a um, guy, Lockie McCaffrey, um, he's also done a lot um, for the youth in union. You know, sends a lot of uh, uh, club kits from, from all five franchises across the Tonga, um, all the boots. But uh, probably a guy, Andrew, Andy Muirhead. Yeah. Um, you know, he does a fair bit for, for the Indigenous community. Um, you know, he's always down at the club trainings down here in, in Canberra. Um, he's a guy who's come through the system. Um, all the way through um, every step and he understands it and understands the sport. We actually had, we had a few indigenous guys coming in and train with us only a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. It's just unreal to see the amount of effort he puts in to, to give him back. Cause obviously he came through that and um, you know, from, from, from that through to club playing for Royals down here in Canberra and then, then through the Brumbies and he was in the Wallaby squad last year and, you know, he's playing bloody good footy at the moment. So who knows, he, he might don that Jersey this year. So um, he, he's a guy that, yeah, he's fully committed to that and um, doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, and I think you need that, right? Especially with the support that you get from, um, you know, the youth teams and from fans to, to give back. I think, again, these days you're, you're looked upon to, to do that. Um, so that's fantastic. And then last one, uh, who's going to be the best coach at the end of their careers? And will, will we see you in, in a coaching role, Nick? <laughs> I, think, I think most guys would say me <laughs> just because yeah. I feel like nah, it's just the, the kind of the way I, the way I train and play, I kind of almost um, 
I drive drive the side as if I'm almost a coach. Yeah. Um, get into the guys. I'm, I'm pretty vocal on the on the field, very vocal on the training pitch. Um, you know, with, with with kind of what how I see things, and um, you know, not always into guys. Trying to try my best to you know to to make sure guys don't make the same mistake twice, and and understand why they why why we do things the way we do things. And you know, like I said before, rugby can play a thousand different ways but we're going to commit to one way and be all on the same page and, and do it that way and have a, have a clear understanding as to why that is um so you know it's something that i could see myself doing maybe down the track um certainly had conversations um about it but um i feel like kids on those guys i've still got a fair few years left in the belt plan so we'll leave we'll leave that for a few years down the track but um who else i think i think tom wright Tom Wright would be, he's pretty knowledgeable. Obviously any of the guys that um, that know the game really well, but then also they're going to have a passion for, for wanting to do it. And you know, a guy like me, like I spend most of my minutes away from the game, watching the game. So like, uh, you know, I live and breathe it. So I know a lot of guys that are good at rugby, love to get away from rugby as, as quick as they can, as soon as they're away from the training pitch and um, get away from it. I can't wait to go home and watch some more footage. So I am um, a bit of a nose in that degree, but um Oh yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. So maybe so one day down the track. Another quick question to follow up on that, and um, it's interesting because I watched something the other day which was talking about football back in the UK and that players that that don't like it. And again, you don't have to to name names here, but have you played with players in the past that that just don't like the sport but just play it because they're good at it? Have you played with players like that in the past? Yeah, yeah, we've got a few in our team for sure. That um, you know, almost to them. Then it's just a job <laughs> for me. It's an absolute passion. I love it, and I, I tell people I've never worked a day in my life. But yeah, you know, certainly for some guys, it is. You know, it's just something they're very good at, um, and and that they'll step away from it. They won't watch any games on the weekend, and you know they'll go back to the, their activities outside of out of rugby. And and potentially they've got a better balance than I do. Maybe my balance is super warped. I'm not sure, but um, I kind of feel like it at the top end. Um, your balance is a bit warped, and. Who's to say who's doing it the right way? I don't know, but yeah, I've certainly got players that that, that they. I I say, <laughs> I actually had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but I had a conversation with a guy. I said, "Oh, the best day of the week is game day. Like, there's no better day in the week than game day." And he goes, "Mate, there's no better week than the day after game day, <laughs> the day off." And I said, "Mate, what are you talking about?" He goes, "The day off, Nick. That's the best day." Said, All right, mate. So, but um, yeah. So there's certainly players like that, but they look that. If we're all the same, it'd be pretty boring. So it's the way to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Nick, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, good luck for the rest of the season with the Brumbies and uh, good luck for, for the rest of the season with the Wallabies as well, especially when those those England boys come over. I am going to stay biased in that, but but good luck and, uh, and thanks for joining me, mate. Uh, can't wait to take on the Poms. Hey, bring on <laughs> yeah. the boys. Now, thank you very much, Josh. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Cheers, Nick. And uh, for, for more on investing at eToro, uh, please uh, go to our eToro Academy where you can find guides, podcasts, and webinars. And we'll be back very soon with another episode. Thanks, guys. Take care. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.